Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with Tom Hodges, the Dallas Stars e-bug, who was thrust into action for the visiting Anaheim Ducks this past season. I connected with Tom right after the game, but wanted to wait till the dust settled some and he had a chance to get through the media circus that an opportunity like this creates. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Tom. Tom, hey, thanks for joining me on uh, the podcast. It's good to talk to you. We, we played some uh, texting tag, and so I'm, I'm glad we were able to get it to work out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so you know, you made a name when, when you made a uh, brief appearance in an NHL game. But before we get to that, I, I've got questions. Uh, sure. You are originally from the United Kingdom. You know, where where in the UK are you from? So I'm from a small county called Shropshire, which is like in the West Midlands of, uh, of the UK. So um, it's honestly, it's super close to Wales. Okay. Uh, see, now I asked because I, I've uh, shared a few times on the podcast, my grandmother is originally from Kings Lynn. So, uh, you know, I, I've got a special place in my heart for, for the UK. Around <laughs> London, right? Uh, Kings Lynn's kind of uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, it's closer to London, um, kind of due north of there. Uh, there's kind of that little bay um, north. Well, I guess you would say east of Nottingham. It, it's over in that that little area, um, not too far from okay. Peterborough. And I say that because when 
we went and visited in, uh, I think it was uh, 94, 95. Um, we drove to Peterborough so I could go skating at the rink there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing from uh, with being from England is there aren't a huge amount of rinks there. So I know I know the closest one. Uh, I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of hockey or skating when we lived there. But I know the closest one to us was was about an hour away. I don't know if that's changed now. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, not too not a short drive. I remember that. And I think part of the reason it didn't feel short is because I didn't know where the heck we were going. And my <laughs> uncle was driving on the other side of the road and driving like a, uh, a madman because he kept reminding us, I'm a professional. I'm a lorry driver. I know what I'm doing. And we're like, okay, but I feel like we're going to die every 10 seconds. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, yeah. It, can be, it can certainly be a little scary uh, seeing, uh, seeing driving on the other side of the road for the first time. Yep. Every time we went to turn a corner, like my heart skipped a beat because I was like, oh my God, there's a car coming. I was like, oh yeah, we're on the other side of the road. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That that was the thing I liked about in London. You know, you go to cross the street and they, you look down at the uh, curb and they tell you which way to look because they're, they're used to all the foreigners coming and getting hit by cars. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a big, it is a big tourist destination, but you know, I, even even growing up in the UK, I've probably only been to London itself maybe maybe four or five times. Like it's it, it wasn't something we went and did did a whole lot. Right. Yeah. We, we I think we were we were there for ten days in England, and we only spent a day and a half in London. And right. as luck would have it, the underground was on strike. So when we went to take our double decker tour of london we did get to see everything we just got a good long look at it because of traffic Um, yeah so that was fun yeah london traffic is the worst you can sit in traffic for three or four hours and uh and still only have gone a couple a couple of miles yep yeah that 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 was uh pretty fun but uh the one half day we were there we we just uh hopped in a cab and headed over to the palace and we got there just before the changing of the guard started where we'll get right up to the fence. So that was really cool. And then um, we spent some time at Trafalgar Square because my grandmother's maiden name is Nelson and uh, we're direct descendants of Lord Nelson. So it was kind of cool to go there and see a statue of a uh, long lost family member atop, atop the pedestal there. Yeah, that, actually, that is really cool. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yep. Yeah, and then again, when we went to uh, Madame Tussauds, the wax museum, my dad had to take a picture next to him. Yeah, <laughs> and I looked at my dad. I said, you know, there's really no resemblance there. But uh, <laughs> well, it's been it's yeah. been a generation or two, eh? Yeah, yeah. So that, that that was kind of fun. So, at what age did you leave the UK and come to the US? So it was like I was very late, like eleven maybe 12 years old it wasn't it wasn't like super super young but also i've i've been here in in texas now longer longer than <laughs> i lived there yeah well that, that's how it is for me i live in minnesota these days but i grew up in chicago but you know i moved away moved off to college when i was 18 so i say I, i've lived here 
most of my life. So I, I'm now, a, I can't say not, technically not a native Minnesotan, but I'm a Minnesotan these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I apologize for, uh, for keeping my camera off here. I, uh, it's my, it was my first day at a new job here. So I'm just, just oh. now heading home. No, no worries. Uh, um, so what, what's, what kind of job do you do? That, you know, that's, that's one thing I, I wanted to ask is being an e-bug doesn't pay the bills. Um, so what, what is that nine to five for you? Yeah, I mean, so I, I work, um, my old job and my new job, both in the insurance industry. Okay. I, um, I worked, uh, until until today, I worked as a, um, a like a I worked in life insurance sales and life insurance investment. Um, but uh, today, I I uh, started my first day as a, um, a an underwriter for uh, a, it's it's what's called entertainment insurance. So it's uh it's we deal with like professional sports and. Uh, uh, like um, big name musical uh, acts when they go on the road and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's it's an it's an interesting job, that's for sure. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. So my, my one insurance story that I I tell from time to time is uh, my dad's uncle, also my uncle. He was an insurance salesman. Now my family comes from Chicago, and I, I don't know how much of Chicago history you know, or even. Uh, but, uh, Mayor Richie Day, Richard Daly, the old man who was around in the, uh, sixties and seventies, he helped get John F. Kennedy elected with his voter early vote often policy in Chicago. Um, but he, he was a Titan of politics of the time, but the Daly's were friends with the Drennan's. Um, so my uncle is walking down the street and trying to land this client. He'd been working with him for a long time. He just couldn't get his business. And this limousine pulls up next to him. And it's, as we in Chicago call him, the mayor, uh, Richard Daly, hops out of the car and goes, you know, David, I've been trying to, you know, connect with you. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get your calls. And he goes, oh, I don't no worries. And he starts walking down the street with my uncle and this prospective client. And my uncle goes, you know, if you want to walk with me, we can talk real quick. And so he said, yeah. And so they're walking for about a block. And then the mayor looks at my uncle and goes, you know, I'm sorry, you're with a client. Um, I'll have my people call you and we'll get it set up. And he goes, oh, okay. So he gets back in his limo, drives away. And my uncle turns to apologize. And the person the prospective client just puts his hand out, shakes his hand, says, we got a deal. And my uncle's just kind of perplexed. He goes, what do you mean? And he goes, anybody who the mayor gets out of his car and walks a block with is good enough for me to do business with. <laughs> yeah, I bet, that's a, I bet that's a good sales pitch. Yeah, it was. he's like, well, man, if I would have known that sooner, I would have made some phone calls. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Back, back to the UK story. So you come over, you know, in, you know, what I would call an impressionable age, you know, the 10, 11 year old uh, age is kind of formative, especially for boys. I, I think that's where we kind of make those 
not always the lifelong friends, but those buddies that we're going to be with at least until we go off to college. So it had to have been a little different. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very tough. Um, the thing was, initially, we were only supposed to be here for for two years. Uh, the the contract that brought us out here was only for two years, so I kind of for the first two years we were here, I was kind of working under the insu- the assumption that you know we were going to be headed back, so it wasn't worth making lots of new friends here mm-hmm. um but then like as it came to an end it uh, became more and more evident that you know he was going to be my dad was going to be asked to stay on um and so you know i had to change up that mentality uh pretty quickly there yeah um, i just had to start making friends um but yeah no it was really difficult it was really difficult i i suffered for really bad from like anxiety and depression like when we first moved out here just you know just feeling like a fish out of water it's very difficult to go from one country to another um but you know i went i lived in a we well we lived in a very small village of like 2000 people and then yeah. moved straight to dallas which is what a city of 2 million or something yeah. um so it was it was very very different uh and uh, it, it, you know, I, I'm not trying to make a martyr here. I know people deal with much tougher every day, but you know, for for, for me at 12, it was it was a lot to deal with. Yeah, you know, we're we're, we're struggling with that in our house right now because uh, my kids are 14 and 15, and we are seriously uh, considering making a move. And you know. I've mentioned on the podcast, Nashville is where we almost moved last summer, but now we're opening up to a couple other uh, metropolitan areas. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about is, you know, the impact it'll have on the kids, especially because my daughter, she's going to be starting her sophomore year of high school. My son is freshman year. And, you know, it'll be easier on our boy than it will be our daughter, just because boys, I think, are a little more welcoming than than girls are but uh that that's definitely one of the things we're taking into account but uh you know w- one of the things my kids have that you know you didn't have back then is just the technology to keep in touch with their friends to still feel that yeah. connection yeah i'm not sure if facebook even existed uh back then i know i know at some point during my uh, late middle school or early junior high, I, I got, I finally got a Facebook and reconnected with some of the people back there. But, you know, after four or five years, you know, everybody's just sort of moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a, you can't, nobody, nobody stands still. So it's, 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 it's not like, it's not, even even if it had been like a few months though it, w- it would have been very difficult to be to act like nothing had changed being however right. many hundreds thousands of miles away from each other that we are so but yeah no i mean you know there are there are people that you miss and then there's people that like were really a huge part of your life like i've had mm-hmm. the the same best friend from the the time I was about six to the to the day we left so this uh, you know some 
some relationships are much harder to to say goodbye to than others. But, you know, I think in the long run, looking back, things worked out pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's something we talk about. My my son has, you know, his one best friend. And, you know, I've joked with his parents saying, you know, we're going to claim him on taxes this year because he's at our house more than he is at theirs. Right. in fact, he was just eating dinner at our house tonight, and um, I said, you know, Gus, it won't be that hard for you and Oliver, because even when he comes over to stay at our house, you know, you're in your bedroom, he's out in the loft, and you guys are playing video games online. So sure. yeah. what's the difference if you're, you know, three, four states away or in the other room? You're, you're actually not spending physical time together. <laughs> and he he kind of laughed. He goes, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some difference to be to be stated between separation by choice and separation by force. You know you know what I mean. Yeah. To have the choice to be in the same room and yeah. hang out and not have that choice, I th- I think is is the main difference. But you're right with the technology there is now. There's very little that they probably do that they couldn't still do. Yep. Well, and we've had the conversation with my daughter because she's got her one really close friend and they're at summer break right now. And between them going, you know, to their, my daughter was just at my in-laws cabin, her friends up at her grandparents cabin this week. So I think they've seen each other once or twice all summer break. And we're going, you know, that's not going to be any different than if and when we move. We said we're going to make sure that your friends come down in the summer and that you come up here in the summer. So, I, you know, with her, we were going, is it really going to change that much for you? And she's like, yeah, well, when you put it that way, no. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, well, summer break is always one of those interesting things. I mean, if you're, like, super busy and you can send the kids to camp, like, every day, then it's a cool thing. But, like, for so many people who just end up for three months sitting on the couch – you know, I went yeah. I went to a school that was like a long way away from from where I lived here in, in Dallas. It was like a 30 minute drive. So like none of my friends lived locally. And so for for 90 percent of the summer, you're just it's just sitting sitting on the couch, you know, on paper at three months off sounds uh, sounds amazing. But then in practice, like six days in and you're bored. Yep. Yeah, no, and gosh, I, I was lucky that growing up, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood and we, we had all of our friends in the neighborhood. But um, yeah, as, as soon as we got up, mom and dad were like, get your butts outside and don't come back in until sundown. The only time you're allowed in the house is to go to the bathroom. We're like, uh, okay, but I, I come from a different generation. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet even. Um, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm in that weird little, they call it the lost generation where we're not quite Gen X and we're not quite millennials. I, I actually saw a meme the other day and it said, uh, I don't mess with anybody uh, around the age of 42. They're just built different. Their families had them formally trained in something by the time they were two. They had keys to the house by the age of five, could cook a full meal at seven, and were pretty much self-sufficient by nine. Uh, they left, left their house at dawn every summer morning and didn't come back till nightfall and survived all day on water from the garden hose. They might get a sandwich on the off chance somebody's parents went shopping 
and they spend three quarters of their lives by themselves with the parent checking on them twice a month. It's like, that is so true. My, oh, my childhood. Kids are crazy, man. They'll leave the house with nothing but the clothes on their back. Like, I dare you or I to go do that. Two minutes, two minutes out the door and would be having panic attacks. They're like, oh, I don't have my, I don't have my cell phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's possible nowadays. Like, we're all so, like, wired in. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I start to leave the house and she's like, oh, I, I don't have that phone. I better get it. And the few times I have forgotten it, it was just kind of nice to be in the moment and not and know that I don't have that to go look for when I'm bored. So, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So you mentioned your a contract of your dad's brought you guys over from the UK. What did your dad do that uh, it, it brought you guys over here? And why Texas? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, he was like, uh, he was like an upper level, like financial manager for like an IT firm. Oh, okay, cool. And so he had, he had been doing the job in England, but on Texas time, if that makes mm. any sense. So like he was yeah. up at these like wild hours of the night and then he would sleep like basically all day. So we never got to see him. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So he moved out here for kind of just like a little, little more normalcy and to like get things established in a way over here where he could then do them in his own time back in England when mm -hmm. the time came. Yeah. Um, but then I think the company and he both decided that they, they really liked it here. Um, and so they, they, they basically extended him per permanently and we got our, you know, our permanent residence cards yeah. and everything. And, you know, this, this slowly became home, but, yeah, it was never it was never the initial intention to stay here. Right. Um, it just it just somehow happened. Now, a move like that is made a little bit easier if you have siblings. Do, do you have any siblings that you were able to kind of lean on during that uh, transition, or was was it just kind of you trying to navigate this uh, on your own? Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's just me, unfortunately. <laughs> and then to, to add to that, to add to that, we had a dog in England, too, and we weren't allowed to bring him. Oh, so they, yeah, I know. Like, well, so normally you can bring dogs over. It's, it's doable, but the dog was, it had, like, seizures, mm. and so... Basically, everybody warned us, like, do not try and bring the dog because if it has like a seizure in transit, they'll freak out and they'll like put it in lockdown. And we, we just decided it was it was not um, in the dog's best interest. Yeah. So the people the, the people who actually ended up buying our house in England ended up keeping our dog. <laughs> so the dog didn't move, but we yeah. did. Well, the best case scenario for the pup, man, talk about kicking a kid while he's down. You know, you, you got to leave all your friends. Oh, yeah. And your dog's not coming with you. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough for sure. It's uh, 
Oh, man. I, I feel bad for my parents, too. That's a tough thing to explain to, like, an 11-year-old. Yeah. Did they at least get you a puppy when you, you got over here? Or was it like, no, nah, we're, we're good with animals? We did. We tried. We, uh, we adopted um, this dog from, like, this last chance shelter place. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately it, it just, there was a reason it was at the, the last chance shelter. Like it had been yeah. rehomed like a couple times and like, we couldn't tell why, like it was such a friendly dog, but occasionally on like a, a or like a rare occasion, it would just snap mm-hmm. and like it would lose itself and just lose its mind. And um so what we had to do was we this is such a sad story i've had such such a tough luck with dogs but what we had to do was we the owner of like the last chance shelter like ended up adopting the dog from us she keeps she keeps a bunch of dogs that are no that aren't rehomable just because of either behavioral or medical and um unfortunately yeah that dog just seemed to have both it was it was a medical condition that uh that caused wild behavior swings and so so we had to give that dog back too oh uh, (laughs) but i i did eventually get a dog when i uh when i moved out i got a um i got a little corgi dog and uh, it's just the just the best dog in the world laziest dog ever um, of course, it's got to be a corgi. That's the queen's breed. I, yeah, I, I, I love corgis. They're, <laughs> uh, they're an interesting dog, though. Some of them are so like so, um, so mild and like timid, and then some of them are really like high energy. So, but yep. I got a, I got a really lazy one. But those are the best dogs. We we've had some very lazy dogs, and God, they're just so lovable. And you can hear my not so lazy one barking in the background. We got a little wiener dog and she's got a napoleon complex <laughs> yes well i think that i think that's common for the those little uh little weenie dogs yep it, it very much is my boss is has it? got one too and we just laugh at their personality traits that are the same across the board is it is it a long hair or a short hair uh short hair okay yeah 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 but uh she she's a a good dog overall. My my son absolutely adores her, and um, yeah, God, God forbid we had to move and couldn't bring her with. It would he, he wouldn't move. That, that it's just that simple. He wouldn't come with us. He he would just say whoever adopts the dog gets me with her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I had a similar sentiment to that. But what you <laughs> what you've got to remember is initially it was only going to be two years. So yeah. we were to, we were supposed to get the dog back when we moved back, and then uh, I, things happened, and we never ended up going back. But you know, we I, I went back a couple of times uh, for either like a funeral or a wedding or such, and we went to see the dog, and the dog remembered us. You That's know, awesome. yeah. I, I mean, it was a border collie, which are known for being just like. Yeah incredibly intelligent and it was it was i was it outsmarted all of us like a bunch of times so like <laughs> they're that's the thing with smart dogs is they're super mischievous too like yes <laughs> so yeah. um 
But yeah, no, very, very intelligent dog. But remembered as like five, six years later when we were when we were going back, which I didn't I didn't think was possible. But yeah, really great dog. Really great dog. But, I saw uh, a meme the other day talking about how smart dogs are, and the guy said, "I have uh, a PhD, two master's degrees, and sometimes I think my dog is smarter than me because he can understand a few words of English, but I can't understand any of his barks." <laughs> for, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, if a dog really wants something, okay. it'll find a way to get it, no matter what you do. Like. Oh yeah, they they have their way of communicating and getting their point across. So, to, to get the conversation back to hockey, how did you get started with the game of hockey? I'm assuming it's once you got to Texas. Yeah, so sort of. The answer to that is yes, but um, so before we moved here permanently, about a year before, we came out to like visit the area. Mm-hmm. My dad was living here, um, and we were still living in the UK while everything was like, um, like figured out. So it was like a year when my dad lived here in Texas, and we lived back in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we we came to visit, and we went to this this local mall here in Texas called Stonebriar. And they used to have a rink. It's now a Forever 21, but uh, they used to have a rink. And as we were walking past it, you know, a a local youth travel team was was playing a game. And, uh, you know, I'd never really seen hockey, but kind of just like immediately fell in love with it. Um, and for, for someone who'd never really had any interest in sports before, this was like a big deal, was, I, I think, especially for my dad. Um, so he, I, he encouraged it a lot. I mean, you know, in, in England, um, we play basically three sports. We play for the, for the men, we play rugby, cricket and football, which Mm -hmm. is soccer. Um, so we have limited exposure to, to some of these other more, I, I, I hesitate to call it a niche sport because it's, 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 popular around the world but it, it just wasn't well known in in the uk um and then you know it just fell in love with it and so when we went back to england for the the year or so before we moved out permanently um i was taking skating lessons like every every weekend so that as soon as we moved back again i could start um start hockey yeah. You know, like the, 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 the very basic, like, stick-in-a-helmet hockey lessons, you know? Yep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, I, it, was, it was just sort of by chance, uh, you know, the, that, uh, that rink maybe played one game all, all week, the, the, the week we were there, and we just happened to catch it, and it just sort of kind of changed – the trajectory of, of my life in a way, you know? So it's, it's a classic story where a brick goes to a mall in Texas and finds a hockey game in what's now forever 21. I mean, we hear it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never has there been a more, uh, uh, oh goodness. A more average story. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's, yeah, that, that, that's kind of a fun one. The fact that it's a Forever 21 is the best part. So it might, it might even be something different now, but last time I checked, it was a Forever 21. In my books, that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> so you see this game, you start learning to skate. Um, what draw you between the pipes to be a goalie? Uh, probably the gear, if I'm being honest. Although, although I always wanted to be a goalie in soccer too, so I'm not sure if that's entirely the truth. But I, I, I did did know that I, I, I really liked the gear. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Looking back, maybe it was maybe it was a bad choice. But you know, I, uh, I you know, I, I love I love I've loved playing goalie for the last goodness. What's it been? Sixteen years now. So it's uh, it's certainly a commitment, though, and a commitment my parents were not happy about. Um, they, they did everything in their power to discourage uh, discourage me from playing goalie. Yeah, um, which I think a lot of parents do. So, yeah, my, my dad always said, "Why couldn't you have stuck with soccer?" He, he said, "I would have bought you the new cleats every year, you know, top of the line. I would have bought you shin guards, whatever you needed. Why couldn't you have stuck with soccer?" And it's like, because I played it in kindergarten, you know, I yeah. moved on from there. And he's like, "Oh, it would have been so much cheaper." And it's like, "Yeah, you're right. It would have been." <laughs> yeah. Well, do your kids play hockey? Uh Interestingly enough, no. Like my my son will skate on the ponds when they freeze over here. Um, yeah. Last winter we we had the backyard rink during COVID, and that that was awesome. And the kids skated more than they usually do, so that was a lot of fun. But um, my son likes baseball. You know, th- that's his sport of choice. So that's that's what he does. And my daughter, she's she's played softball. She's done volleyball and basketball but she she's not an athlete uh she she likes to read and she likes art and she likes to tinker and build things so that that's kind of her deal yeah no absolutely yeah yeah follow follow their passion for sure yeah it's funny because i i had friends like oh my god how do your kids not play hockey and it's like because it's not their thing it's my thing you know and i'm not gonna push it on them you know, I'm not going to be that parent that makes them do well, something and then they don't like it. In fact, they hate see, it. You do see that a lot, though, don't you? You see, yeah. you see the kid is just like, he doesn't want to be here. But, you know, but dad's really passionate about it. Honestly, it's that hockey parent culture that kind of pushed my son away from doing it. Because his buddies, they all play and uh, we gave them the option. They, they needed a goalie a couple of years ago and. Whenever he plays pond hockey, he's always putting the pads on. And so, you know, they reached out and they're like, hey, does Gus want to play? You know, it'd be cheaper and this and that. And I asked him, I was like, hey, bud, do you want to play? And he kind of looked and he goes, well, they skate seven, six, sometimes eight times a week. And he said, they're getting on the ice at 930. That's when I'm getting in bed. He goes, that's a big commitment for me that I'm not ready for. And at that age, I was like, wow, that that's pretty mature. And, and he goes, on top of that, I don't like I don't like the way parents act at the hockey games. I was like, all right, that's fair. I'm, I'm not going to argue that one because I've coached. I, I've seen how they are. And, uh, yeah, parents can take the joy out of youth sports really quickly. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I think most of them, 
I think most of them have bet best interests at heart, but I think they get they get lost along the way. You know what I mean? They get so passionate about it. Yeah. And they just they just lose themselves. Yeah, yeah, but no, I totally get it. But I, I think I, it's crazy how much kids play these days. I mean, mm-hmm. even when I was playing like 18 U's, like it was practice once, maybe twice a week if you're mm-hmm. lucky, and then a game on the weekends. Now they're practicing like four nights a week and two games every weekend. I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like, how how do you not get burned out? When I was in high school, we had two practices a week and one to two games a week. Um, yeah. Granted, our season was a little bit longer than it is here in Minnesota, and we would play 40 to 50 games a season. But, you know, it, it wasn't that everyday thing. You still had time to yourself. You still had that opportunity to, you know, have that high school experience that kids today don't really have. Um, it wasn't until I got to college we we would have skated seven but ncaa required that we take one day off um, right but at that age at that age and that level there's a different commitment to the game i think and we wanted to be on the ice in fact some of us had keys to the ice rink and we'd be out there till three o'clock in the morning uh because we just loved it so you know at that age i think it was different the fact that we were on the ice as much as we were Absolutely. If you make a commitment to play college hockey or any high level junior hockey, then, yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into. But when, you know, when they're 10 years, you know, like, yeah, lots of these kids don't lots of these kids don't know what what's going to be required of them. And it can be tough. It can be tough for sure. You know, I I, with my son in baseball, I try to keep it lighthearted, you know, because I can see when he's struggling or I can see, you know, when he's having fun too. And there's this YouTube channel. The guy goes by the name of Kent Murphy and he's supposed to be his baseball coach. And he's got the mustache and the really tight and short athletic shorts. And, and is there's this, one video is that just... A, is this a satire account? Or yes, is this... it is a satire oh, okay. account. And one of the best videos is his... Uh, instructional video on bunting he has two rules one don't two hit home runs so (laughs) yeah whenever Gus is going up to bat and I look at him he's like hey what are you gonna hit he just looks at me he's like gonna hit dingers he's never hit one in his (laughs) life but it's like just going with that stuff I always go back to you know coach Riley from the mighty ducks it's not worth winning if you can't win big you know just try and loosen it up for him a little bit and he's he still loves the game of baseball so i think it's working yeah well you know we're lucky down there that we've got we got some really great coaches Mm -hmm. um you know taking care of these kids so but yeah no like it 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 can be a lot i mean and i think i think it's true of any youth sport i think you know depending on what level they're playing but i think lots of these these sports teams are practicing three, four, mm-hmm. maybe even five times a week now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So you mentioned, you know, playing 18, you, you know, how far did you go competitively uh, in the game before you, before you got relegated to the beer leagues? <laughs> so I've only ever played three beer league games in my <laughs> life. So I would be, it would be a stretch to say I'm, I'm a, I'm a beer leaguer, but um so I played 18U Tier 2 
um, where we, you know, we qualified for nationals. Uh, pretty darn good team. Um, and then, um, you know, I probably would have tried to go off and play, play some juniors. I, it would have almost certainly been possible. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I think there are some junior teams out there that'll that'll take any anybody. But um, yep. you know. Um, but, you know, a, a decent level of junior to get started and then tried to work my way up. But the thing, the problem was right at the time I was graduating high school, uh, my mom was getting diagnosed with cancer. Oh, and so there were there were other priorities for our family at that point. Yep. And so I, I kind of just like, oh, you know, that's fair. Um, probably time time to hang up the skates. Um, and then, you know, a few, uh, probably like a year later, maybe year and a half later, um, I decide I want to get get back into it and just do something, um, you know, maybe not ultra competitive, but do something. And so I I reached out to a uh, a local goalie coach and set up a couple lessons, and you know, we did we did some lessons. We got along really well, um, and it turns out. I, I didn't know it beforehand, but he was the goalie coach for the minor league team here in the in the ECHL, and yep. yeah, he he invited me out to practice, and from that point, I think we're in year six now of them using me as like a a practice goalie, and um, you know, I've been on I've been on road trips with them. I've I've been all up and down the country. So, kind of lived out lived out without playing much time, but lived out that kind of life for a little bit, uh, being being a, a minor leaguer, yep. at least in, <laughs> at least in uh, quotation marks. Um, so you know that 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 was really great, um, and then. You know, um, just just around that same time, maybe a year after that, the Stars were looking for someone because, you know, the NHL put this new rule in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just played a few minutes with the Americans in the East Coast League. And so um, the, the same coach again recommended me as someone who, you know, would do it. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, so uh, I think I think there was the question of two things. One, somebody who's not going to go there out there and, you know, just ultra embarrass the right. club and everybody involved. And then somebody who's not going to. Um, I'm not going to say not panic because I was definitely I was definitely having a moment there for a couple minutes. But yeah, but not going to do everything in their power to back out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because the deal, the, the deal is basically if you have to go, you have to go right into, into the game, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it at, at that point. So, yeah. So somebody, somebody who would, would be able to play at a decent level and, and um, who would, would be down to to actually do it. So I think those were the two. Oh, Tom, I think we lost you. Timing just sort of like. 
Oh, you're back. There we go. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned finding somebody who, if called upon, isn't We'll give Tom a second to get back. There you are. You're back. Uh, I'm back. Uh, I'm so sorry about no that. No problem. We'll, we'll blame it on uh, Texas uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, T-Mobile. T- yeah. T-Mobile. So, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned something that I, I think is important too with any e-bugs. I've, I've had quite a few of them on the show. Um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you've practiced with the teams, you know, so you've been out there with, with the shooters. So it's it's not like they're pulling you out of the stands and this is the first time you're seeing NHL caliber shots or NHL speed. Uh, I, oh no! I, you know I've been training with the pro guys for six, seven years now, yeah. and you know I think if at, at any point, if I wasn't holding my own with with either organization, either, either the Americans or the Stars, you know they just wouldn't have you back. Right. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like mean or anything, but you you just wouldn't be invited, invited. Right. Back. It would be a thank, um, Thanks for being a live shooter tutor today, but uh, we'll let you know if we need you again. Yes. And then, yeah. And then you'd never, yeah. <laughs> you'd never hear from them again, but yeah, no, I mean, no, the, the stars are very good. And, you know, like I talk with the coaches and, you know, it, it's not, it, it's not like, a consistent thing where like you know every game or every practice I've ever done with the stars has been my best right. play ever but but you know you go out there and work your butt off and you know do your best and you know that they can tell they can tell you know what I mean yeah. like they're not um they're, well, it's, they're, it's interesting they're, because they need somebody who can step in if needed, but at the same time, isn't good enough to be in their system talent wise, because if they were, they wouldn't sure. be available. So it's a very delicate um, skill that they need. Uh, you know, somebody that can, you know, if called upon the adrenaline will make them good enough for the day, but for the most part, just be a good, good step in. If, you know, somebody decides to skip the optional skate, they still have a goalie at the other end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, look at those NHL goalies there. Oh, we lost, lost Tom again. We'll give him a second to get back in here. You were talking about uh, the skill of the NHL goalies. Oh yeah, I mean the the difference between just like a great normal goalie and an NHL goalie is a massive, massive gap. You know, yep. they're, they're all just superhumans. But yep. you know, the, the the stars and anybody who's putting together like a um, an e bug program is they're looking for someone who's going to be able to hold their own and is going to go out there and and give their best. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, that's that's all we can do. Yeah. You know, and so you're debug for a few years. And, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with Bones. I've talked to Justin out in Colorado and uh, Kyle out in 
Tampa, uh, Connor here in Minnesota. You know, the, the best part of it is you get to go to a bunch of hockey games for free. Um, you know, and I know here locally, if you're the e-bug, you know, you, you get to park uh, underneath, it, you know, with the players and everything. So you got that nice part of it. Um, take me through the game against Anaheim where all of a sudden, well, first of all, has has there been a few times where, you know, they've kind of uh, looked at you and you're like, hey, you, you got to get ready and, you know, just kind of be on standby, you know. Has there been a couple times where you've had to get, you know, kind of your bottoms on and wait, or was this the first time? No. So I've dressed a total of four times. Okay. Um, and I've been called down to the locker rooms five times. So um, the first time I ever did it was, it was my first year uh, doing doing the e-bug program. And, and the Florida Panthers were in town, and on the second shot of the game, uh, Reimer pulls his groin, and so I have to go. I have to go get dressed, and you know, it's it's funny, but there's a difference between getting called down halfway through the game and getting called down two minutes into the game. You know, right? Getting called down halfway through the game, you're like, well, my the chances are very, very slim of anything happening to the other goalie and even more slim that it's going to be more than a couple seconds. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But but being dressed halfway through the first is, is an experience for sure. You're just, you're just kind of waiting for a full, almost two and a half hours um, (laughs) in your, in your gear, just like, I wonder if something's going to happen. And so you're, the rule is you're not really allowed out of the locker room as mm-hmm. an e-bug unless you're needed. So you're just sort of like crammed back in a back room watching it on a small TV. And like every time one of the goalies makes a save, you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> is this my time? Is this my time? Uh, but no, nothing, nothing ended yeah. up happening, happening in that game. But, you know, that was that was an awesome first experience. And then two more times that season, I got called down for the Stars. So I got called down a total of three times in my first year. And then it was in my second year, I got called down to the locker room, but then didn't get asked to dress because uh, the goalie decided he could come back. And it's funny because that was the Ducks too. (laughs) So the last two times have been the Ducks. Funny. Um, yeah. So, so then on um, what was it? April, late April. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it was strange because every single one of the goalies played one period. So yeah, uh, Gibson finished up the whole first period, and then didn't come back for the second. And so I'm texting my contact with the stars and being like, uh, goalie change question mark. (laughs) Um, and at that point, the equipment manager for the stars gives me a call. And the reason it had taken so long, um, for them to get in, in touch with me is because originally that was not my game. 
That game was supposed to go to the other emergency goalie here in Dallas. But, you know, he's he's got a family, and so I think yeah. he had to take his his daughter to, to softball or something like that. And so he couldn't make that game. And so they had originally called him <laughs> and then called me. Um, so as like the start of the first – oh, sorry, start of the second, I get the call as I, I'm told to go get dressed. And then I'm getting dressed at, you know, a fairly quick speed, but not like absolutely rushing, like desperation. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting my pads on and the equipment manager comes in the room and he's looking pretty nervous. And he throws me a jersey and goes something along the lines of, I think you need to hurry up. <laughs> um, so there's me like, just like making darting eye glances with like everybody else in the room trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Um, but nobody really knows anything. Um, it was, it was evident that Stellaris was having, uh, a little bit of trouble. Um, but we, we weren't, we weren't sure how, um, how bad it was at the time. So everyone was telling me, you're probably probably nothing you're probably not gonna have to go in like it's not a big deal this happens all the time um and so the period ends i hear nothing i hear nothing i hear nothing and then about a minute before we're due to step on the ice um it was either the president of the ducks or the owner or it was somebody very high up but there were other things on my mind at the time when he introduced himself uh, came into the locker room and basically said, "You need to, you need to get ready. You're, you're going to go. You're going to go for the third period." And so, um, and as, as strange as it might sound, once I knew I was playing, I felt better. It was knowing, or sorry, it was not knowing what was happening mm-hmm. that was like, freaking me out. Yeah. Once I knew, I felt significantly better like a deep breath felt better and then once we got into the tunnel and you know you could see the ice and I, it was it was like another big like load off your shoulders it felt uh, it would be an exaggeration to say normal mm-hmm. but it felt it felt like hockey well they, they always say with the, like big games and everything else it's like once you get out there and start playing it's just another game at the end, you know, whether it's Stanley cup final, super bowl, whatever it's at that point, it's muscle memory. It's another game. It's just getting there, getting past those emotions in your own head and everything else. It's like, all right, just let me get out there and feel at home. For sure. For sure. It's (laughs) you make it sound so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Anybody yeah. walking by a Forever 21 can be playing in the NHL. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes that's how it's presented. Like, oh, yeah, yeah just uh, all these guys, they're like, yeah, they're insurance agents. And then the next second, they're playing in the NHL. Well, it's not quite the truth. Like, there's, there's quite a sh- strong and quite a long screening process that not well, everybody makes it through. And then even then you're practicing with the team fairly often, whether it be 
the NHL team or in the minor leagues or, yeah. but they're going to make sure you're, you're occupied. Yeah. That, that you're not, you're not spending 364 days a year on the couch and then they're going to throw you into, into an NHL game. So, right. well, I mean, they, they want to make sure that you're getting the practice you need so that if you are called upon, you know, you're going to do well. Um, yeah. It, it makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to Connor Beaupre about it, you know, and he skates with the wild awful lot, but then I talk to guys like bones and, you know, he does a lot of work on his own and he doesn't skate as much with the team as say you do or Connor does. It's really in the off season that he gets that skating time with, with the uh, NHL guys. But uh, every team, what I've learned is uh, uses their e-bugs a little bit differently for those practices. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. As a Cubs fan, it's tough to look at the uh, standings and get too excited, but with DraftKings, I can get excited about every game by placing prop bets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw all your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. For for sure, and before COVID, I'll be honest. We practiced with the the NHL team a lot more, but since COVID, things have changed a little bit. Which mm-hmm. you know, it sort of makes sense when you've got when you've got a guy that's made a thousand dollars his whole career. <laughs> you don't want to sit him in the locker room next to a guy who's going to make that in the next five minutes. Eating, right. his, eating his protein bar, you know? So the, the health of these professional athletes comes first. And, you know, that's absolutely right. Um, so since COVID, it's been a bit less. But, yeah, I used to practice, used to practice with them fairly consistently and now, now practice with them on kind of like an emergency contingent basis, which mm-hmm. I guess kind of goes with the name. Um, <laughs> but the, what what they do now is even if it's, even if it's only going to be like a day or two and and no game, they'll make an effort to get like their their minor league. I, at least I think this is what happens. They make an effort to get their their minor league guy up here and practice with the team for a couple of days. Well, and with so many teams now having their minor league affiliate a lot closer to home than in the past, that makes it easier too. You know, I, I know Minnesota's affiliate used to be down in uh, Houston. Now it's in Iowa. Chicago's used to be um, Norfolk, Virginia. Now it's in Rockford, Illinois. 
uh, Vegas. They they bought the team and moved them to Henderson, Nevada. So teams, their minor league affiliates are a lot closer now, making that possible. For sure. Well, I mean, it's it's it can only be it can only be considered a good thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, they can get the guys here a lot quicker. Yep, exactly. Which is why I'm surprised that the Chicago Wolves never became the Blackhawks affiliate. I mean, when when they were a uh, independent team, every now and then the Hawks would send a player to the Wolves for a rehab assignment because they knew it was going to be one, maybe two games. It's like it doesn't make sense to send them out to Virginia when we can literally send them right up the interstate twenty minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's funny. It's funny how those things work and how affiliations change hands over the years. Because I know the Americans here, they used to be a Stars affiliate, which made sense, you know, 20 right. minutes up the road, a um, couple hours from the, the AHL. But now they're affiliated with Seattle. Yeah. Which is which is just about the <laughs> furthest place away it could it could possibly be. Yeah, but you know these these affiliates they swap every couple of years, so it's yeah. kind of cool. You know they've been they've been affiliated with the Stars, the Sharks, uh, the Wild, and now Seattle. So yeah, well th- that was the thing with the Wolves when they decided to move away from being an independent, and then they became uh, over the course of the past couple of years they've been uh, they were Vancouver's affiliate in the height of the Hawks Canucks rivalry. So. That didn't make Chicago fans happy. Then they became the St. Louis affiliate. That's where Bennington played his AHL hockey. So that didn't make uh, fans happy. And uh, I think now they're Char- or, um, Carolina's affiliate. Um, which, again, yeah, they have the Charlotte the, Checkers the in the checkers. AHL. Who are the Checkers yeah, now? Is like they, the Checkers, I think, are Florida's affiliate now. But see, that's uh, but why it's, it's, their color scheme was, like, to match Carolina. It yeah, it, it was. It's still red and white and all that good stuff. But, again, th- that's why you're starting to see some of the NHL clubs buy the AHL club. Chicago, in the last year or two, bought the Rockford Ice Hogs. So they're going to be their affiliate from here on out. I know the uh, the Golden Knights, they bought the team in Henderson. And so that's their team now. So you're starting to see some of these NHL clubs – outright buy own and operate their ahl affiliate so well i mean um, if they're they're local it just sort of makes sense right you just have like this monopoly of hockey in the area yep exactly so i i want to get back to the game um so you're out there you're, you're standing in the tunnel and now the team comes behind you you know did anybody say anything before you hit the ice or was it you know Kind of like in my beer league games, even some of my college games, they leave the goalie alone and we're kind of on our own little island. Did anybody come up to him and be like, hey, just do what you do? Yeah, no, no. They were all really supportive. And, you know, some of them were, you know, somebody came up to me and be like, hey, look, it's my first game too. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, yeah, but a little different. But like, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, some of the guys were like, hey, like, don't sweat it. Like, this is a cool experience for us. Like, uh, and other guys were like, look, we're already out of the playoffs. Like, this is, this is just, this is just going to be a great experience. Go out and do your best. So like, everybody had something different to say, but everybody was like ultra supportive. And it's a really, really, really great group of guys. Really great group of guys. 
Now, you didn't get to watch much of the game because, you know, you're getting down there, you're getting ready, everything else. Um, I know in the David Ayers game, you know, some of the guys said they, they were trying a little bit harder defensively um, for David's sake. Uh, did, did you notice maybe a change in the, the play of the Ducks uh, that third period as opposed to the other two? Or do, do you think they just stuck with their game plan? No, I think they played a they played a fantastic um, tight defense in that third period. Yeah, no, they 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 really did their best and worked their hardest for me. And you know, the goal the goal that went in was just like a bizarre deflection. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. it's like it tips and like changes direction completely from what I was expecting. Um, and, you know, that, that that's not an excuse, you know, at the end of the day, if it goes in, it's my responsibility. But you know, what I what I'm trying to say is like it's they, they played they played lockdown defense and they yeah. played awesome. They played awesome. Yeah, well, and I've seen that goal and uh, I've become a fan of Brian Accord's stop it game day out where, you know, it talks about the probabilities of goals going in and this and that. And, you know when I look at that goal, it's like, are there things that could have been done to have stopped it? Yeah. There's always something that can be done, but in the heat of the moment, I mean, that's just one of those. It's, it's going to go in nine out of 10 times, regardless of who's in net. For sure. Yeah. The thing was, is, you know, it was a pass across, which I came over to, and then a fake shot, which yeah. I bid on. I bid on the fake shot. Um, and then a pass across. So the only thing I could really do was make myself try and get that backside push in and make myself big, which mm-hmm. I did. But then halfway through my push, it got tipped and changed direction. And so I like half tried to like cancel the push and tried to close down. But I, I think maybe yep. and, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. If I'd continued with the push, maybe I could have caught it on that back leg, but it was just an unpredictable right. unpredictable bounce. And, you know, I, I did what I thought was going to be best in the, the, the tenth of a second I had to make a decision, you know? So, um, See, that's where if you maybe played more beer league, you'd be used to broken plays like that <laughs> like I am. And you yeah. maybe, maybe would have played right. it different. <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? You know what? My my goal was to stop the first shot. Yeah. Um, and exactly. then and then and then by the time I realized it wasn't really a first shot, I I I would have struggled. I would have struggled. But I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to make any excuses. You know, I, I had, I had a great time and, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, you know, I did my best. I did my best. So post game, you know, the horn sounds. And if I remember right, you know, stars players came up to you and everything, you know, I, everybody was, you know, happy for you. You get into that Anaheim locker room. Uh, and I, I, believe I saw videos where, you know, the reception was great. Uh, you know, what, what was it like getting into that locker room? Like, okay, 
that's over. You know, what, what were those thoughts and emotions once you got into that locker room and sat down in the stall? Oh, I, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I hadn't certainly hadn't processed it at the time and I'm not sure I've processed it yet. Um, you know, three <laughs> or four months later, it's, it's just one of those, those bizarre things that I still look back on and I, have to convince myself that it actually really happened um but you know the the guys in the locker room were all were all amazing and just just super complimentary and you know i it was freezing though the, the, that water they poured they poured on me is i don't know where they found it but it's the coldest water i'm amazed it wasn't a solid block of ice <laughs> It was like the ice bucket challenge all over again. Yeah, for I couldn't breathe. I was, like, it was so cold. It took all my breath away. But no, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. But then you know, just sitting down and trying to trying to process exactly exactly what had happened. You know, I got called called back out for interviews, um, and by the time I got back back into the locker room. Um, you know, the, the, the Anaheim was gone, you know, mm-hmm. their season, their season was over. They all, all wanted to go see their families, which yeah, absolutely right. But, uh, um, but so, yeah, I just, when it was time for me to get like changed, I just, I probably sat for like an hour, just, <laughs> just, just thinking, taking my time, taking it all in. So after the game, you know, that call home, you know, what, what was that like, you know, giving dad that phone call, like, did you, did you watch the game tonight? Did you see what happened? Yeah. So I called him. Um, I asked him if he watched the game and he, uh, he then went on for 30 seconds about how great it was that the stars had, uh, had won, uh, cause it was going to make a big difference in the playoff race. And I, I just listened, I listened to it for about 30 seconds. I was like, you, you, you don't know, do you? And he's like, no, I know the stars won. I was like, yeah, but you, d- you don't know. He's like, I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> there was a, there was then a pause for for a little bit, and then I, uh, I explained what had happened, and uh, you know, he, I, he was very disappointed that he uh, he hadn't uh, been able to see the game. He he actually canceled his uh, cable subscription about. <laughs> two weeks earlier so but uh, but you know uh with I, I i don't even know with with the provider he had whether he would have gotten the game anyway i know this i know there's been a little bit of trouble with that this year here in uh here in dallas but but yeah he was certainly disappointed but then spent probably the next two hours until i got home watching watching the game on nhl.com yeah that's awesome. You know, <laughs> I just love that the call home. He's like, yeah, isn't it great that they won? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, the family back in England, you know, did they even understand the significance or even realize that this happened? Well, I don't really have much family back in England. It has to be said. Um, all but one of my grandparents has passed. Um, we've got some cousins 
Zamans, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's kind of far it's, removed. Yeah. yeah. So so it's there wasn't there weren't a whole lot of people um to understand it, if if that makes any sense. You know, I had I had some of my cousins reach out and say, you know, how amazing, like um how proud they were, but I don't really think they they understood. If if if, if that makes right. if that makes sense. Um No, it, it does. Which make which makes total sense. I mean, nobody or very few people know a huge amount about hockey in in that yep. part of the world there. So well, but, when when I was there, in, it, it was ninety five during the Olympics in Atlanta. Um, at least I think that was ninety four, ninety somewhere around there. But we walked in the first night we landed. We walked into the little pub in the on the corner of the block, and I mean. You know how it is. There's a pub on every corner. It didn't matter that my aunt and uncle lived in the middle of farm field. There was still a pub on the corner. And yeah. I had my Eddie Belfour Blackhawks jersey on, and there was a guy at the end of the bar who knew exactly who Eddie Belfour was and was a big fan of hockey. And every night we went to that pub, he and I sat down at the end of the bar and talked hockey. So there, there's still the, it's still very niche, but there, there's there's a small but growing uh, fan base there for sure. Yeah, so I mean, growing up, I went to a boarding school in England. I was I was mostly a day student there, mm-hmm. but I went to a boarding school, and in in this school of like six hundred people, there was there was one other person who, at, at that point, I didn't even really play hockey. I was just skating at that point. But there was one person at the school who played, mm-hmm. so gives you gives you an idea of what it is. it's it's a ra- rather small fraction of right of people who, who have anything to do with the sport but no i i really hope that in in future years i know that recently in the last 5 years or so we had our first like english born english raised like english taught um dra- nhl draftee from right. the uk so you know, I'm I'm hopeful that in you know the next dozen years or so, it'll it'll make a significant uh, a significant move forward in like enrollment. But well, the UK uh, national team they're they're playing in the first division for the world uh, championships right now. Well, I think they got they knocked did. out of that. Um, you know what I I. They may have this year. They, they got to play in it for two years because of yes. COVID stuff. Uh, but, you know, they made the, the thing is they made it to the first division. Yes. Well, they beat France. Now, uh, now they get ago. Yeah. So now, now they, they get a little bit of that experience, and hopefully that continues. Because uh, I've talked to um, the fellow that runs the UK Goalie Network and um, uh, also the fellow that runs the Kings Elite Goalie School on the podcast, you know, so they're, they're hopeful that that gains a little bit of traction, but like they said, despite all of that going on, you had to flip several pages in the newspaper to see what the heck was going on with the UK hockey club. It wasn't sure. making their version of sports center, even though it should have, um, you know, so it's, it's growing, you know, so hopefully it can uh, take root because, 
I, I know the English. They, they would love the game of hockey because of its brutality. Oh, uh, the, atmos- <laughs> the atmosphere in the in the rinks would be just unmatched. Yeah. I remember my uncle Fred, he came to visit um, when, when I was in a freshman in high school and again when I was a junior. First game he came to, I come walking out of the uh, locker room and he sees me in my equipment. He goes, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. He goes, you're three times the size you normally are. And I, yeah, yeah. And, the, and he watched the game. He goes, I didn't know what the heck was going on, but God, was that fun to watch. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's funny because it, I, I think you're right. I think it would really suit their kind of like national image when it comes to sports. It's just, mm-hmm. I think right now, it's two things. One is, it, it, it's an issue everywhere, but it's an expensive sport. Yep. It's a very, very expensive sport. And especially when there's only a handful of ice rinks in the whole country that puts a premium on ice time and and it means people have to drive a long way to get there it, it's just easier to put your kid in a pair of shin pads and boots and put them out on the uh, on the soccer pitch and and let them tire themselves out you know and let's not forget the very obvious thing, the vehicles over there are much smaller. Try fitting a goalie bag into the back of a smart car. It's not going to happen. You're, you're absolutely right. I had, I had never actually thought about that. I, they do have SUVs. They don't have, yeah. like, full-size SUVs, but they have, yeah. like, they have like mid-size um, sedans or, and uh, SUVs. But, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, for the average the average city goer it the uh the, the car might be an issue yeah i i remember i showed up to uh one of my beer league games and there there was a smart car in the parking lot and i took a picture of it and sent it to my teammates i said this is obviously the referee's car because you're not even getting a hockey stick in that thing yet alone a bag i mean even if you could get your gear into it like it would be so close to you like yeah it would be unbearable. Yeah, it, people who just let their gear hang out in their bag six months out of the year, like yeah. it, would, it would be, it would be a, a death wish. Yeah. So I want to be mindful of time because we've been talking for quite a while, and I appreciate it. it's been a great conversation. But I end every episode asking the same ten questions to every guest. So I, I've asked. Phantom goalies to gold medal winning goalies, the same 10 questions. So the first question is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it, just did something where everybody's like, well, that came out of nowhere. Oh, man. You know, there's been so many. I've probably just blocked them all out. But I remember my first year playing. Uh, playing at any significant level, um, you know, I'd only been playing house up to this point, but the travel league I got, oh, sorry, the travel team I got on my first year, I think they went like four and like 45. Um, but I, one of the, one of the games after, uh, after the loss, I think it was probably a game we should have won or been more competitive in the coach, coach just comes in and throws throws all the hockey sticks in the trash. <laughs> all, all the ones he just cleared off the bench, just brings them in, dumps them in the trash, and leaves. No speech, no nothing. Just, uh, <laughs> he was just, just so fed up of, uh, 
of giving inspirational speeches. You were just done. Just throw all our <laughs> just throw all our stuff in the garbage. Yeah, nothing left for you guys. You, you don't deserve these. Yeah. <laughs> so the next question: What's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Oh, there's been some there's been some phenomenal goalie masks over the years. Um. Dude, that's so tough. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I know, it's I'm, kind I'm, of I'm a Sophie's choice. I'm going to go with the cheap answer and just go with the one that was, like, the one I coveted the most growing up. And it was probably, like, the Marty Turco Gargoyles yep. helmets that he used to do. I think those I think those were pretty phenomenal. So those, those were very well done, you know, where they're – there was enough detail, but not so much where it was like, okay, what's going on there? They, they were good helmets. Yeah, there there are some helmets that you see now where uh, you're like, it, it almost looks like they just bought a sticker pack. And yeah. Put like a million different things on it. But yeah, no. Yeah. I think some of the, yeah. Some of the artwork they do now is just unreal. Yeah. Tur- Turco's uh, got a brewery now and he, he makes some beer, so I'm I'm always on the lookout to see if I can't find any in Minnesota, but they don't distribute here. So who knows? One day in my travels, maybe I'll come across some. Yeah, one day, one day. Yeah. You, um, you need to try the Belfour, the Belfour whiskey too. Oh, I, I've got some on my uh, my shelf. They don't distribute it here in Minnesota, but I had Eddie and his son Dane on the podcast, and they, uh, they sent me some. Oh, that's nice of them. Yes, yes. It, it was uh, – very nice of them. And my, my mom was a uh, fan of whiskey. So th- when uh, my sister was traveling from Chicago out to North Carolina, she picked up a bottle for mom and dad. And m- mom was a fan of it. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm more of a beer drinker. That, so that's why I'm like, all right, I got to get my hands on some of uh, Turco's beer. But uh, I, I appreciate the whiskey. And um to me, a lot of whiskey tastes like I'm drinking jet fuel, but this, the Belfour whiskey isn't jet fuel. It's, it's very smooth, and uh, I, I, I don't have a sophisticated palate, but even I can pick up on some of those different tastes in there. So I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, I've heard good things. I've heard good things. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I, I've been told I need to stay away from any liquor since my bachelor party. So we won't go there because <laughs> that, that was almost uh, 18, 19 years ago. Uh, so the next question, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Oh man. Are you talking just like ice quality or just like overall? Overall, the, the rink where it's like that, that's one of your favorite, if you had to pick a place to play tomorrow, that that's where you'd want to be. You know, I'm a big fan of the Stars Practice Facility here in Frisco. What, what's the name of that rink? Because I've seen pictures of it, but I, I don't know the name of it. Yeah, it's the Comerica Center. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I've I've seen pictures of it. It looks like a sweet place, and a lot of these NHL practice rinks are just amazing facilities now. Yeah, I've, I've been I, I played a tournament at the Kings one too uh, about ten years ago now, but I, I remember that being something pretty special too. Yeah, I uh, 
up here in Minnesota, it's the Tria rink, and it's in an old department store on like the uh, third or fourth floor. They revitalized the building, repurposed it and everything. And it's it's kind of like the Bruins one where the one side is all glass and everything else. And um, every time there's an opportunity for me to skate there, I, I hop on it too late and they've already filled the position. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll get there sooner or later, hopefully before I, I move out of Minnesota, I'll get out there. Uh, so th- this is a question that always catches people by surprise. What's your favorite stick that you've used? Oh, uh, you know, overall, my favorite stick for the way it feels is definitely what I'm using now. It's the Bauer Hypolite with the mm-hmm. five-sided grip. I, I, I love, I love the, uh, the pentagrip. Um, I think it takes a lot of stress off, off of my hands. Um, yeah. the, the only, the only thing I, I would say is I go through, I go through a few of them. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, it's to be expected from, from some of the shots that you, I've been taking, but right. Um, Probably my all-time favorite would go down is is probably the Bauer NXG. Okay. All right. See, now I haven't ventured into any of the composite sticks because I'm an old school guy. I grew up with true wooden sticks, you know, even before the foam core. Uh, so I, I just, I haven't... Uh, haven't ventured into the composites yet, but I know it's going to be soon because the foam cores are just getting harder and harder to find. Yeah, so, I was going to say, you're not going to have much choice here. No, so it's it's going to happen sooner than later. So I, I've accepted that, and I, I know they've come so far. And uh, I've talked to a few guys that were kind of in the same camp as me. They, they love the feel of the foam core, and they said a lot of these new composite sticks have that same feel. So, uh it's it's coming. I know that. Uh, so, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Favorite youth hockey memory? Yeah. Um, my Bantam year, we won the like the Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana tri-state championship thing it's funny the the state championship here in texas normally has less teams in it than the league championship because the league encompasses like some of the local states that only have one team Mm -hmm. so yeah we we won that um my my bantam year and it was it was crazy it was this team that was just unbelievably good um, we'd played them probably eight times that year and lost eight times. Um, so we lost the first game of the three-game championship series. And everybody, the, the other team actually went out and purchased championship T-shirts. Oh, geez. Before, yeah, before closing out the series. And then we won the next game 2-1. And the final game, two nothing, and beat them. And so it was. It was fairly phenomenal to to go from basically no one giving you a single chance to to yeah. winning it all. It was it was something pretty special. 
Well, I like that out there, the state championship was, you know, a series and not just kind of one game winner take all like most places. Yeah, yeah, no, I I like that too, and I'm 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 not exactly sure if it's it's still the same now, but like I said, that wasn't the state championship; that was the the league championship. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. But um, the, yeah, they did. The, yeah, best of three. Yeah, I I think one of the only leagues I've been in that had the best of three was uh, high school. I, I played in the Chicago Catholic Hockey League, which was one of the oldest continuously running high school hockey leagues in the country, actually. And uh, the, every round was a best of three, and we, we never did well in it uh, while I was there. Although the year after I graduated, they won the, uh, the championship. And I was like, of course. Uh, so I, I've talked to you know some of my teammates that were on that Kennedy Cup winning team, and they're like, you know, you weren't on that team, but, you know, you definitely had some ownership of that championship in some some ways. That yeah. always made me feel good. Like I don't necessarily have the ring like they do, but yes, I, I I played some small part in that championship, and you know I don't know what it is, but they claim I did. <laughs> uh, so the, the next question is: What's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? Oh my goodness! Uh, you know what? This might have to be the one I pass on. I, uh, I, I, I tend to have my uh, metaphorical earbuds in when when I'm playing. I, I, I tend not to hear what anybody's saying around me. I'm kind of laser focused into what I'm doing. Um, I don't remember hearing a chirp since maybe my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. I remember, I remember somebody said something and it really upset me, but I don't remember what they said. I'm the same way on the ice where, you know, I, I just, I'm so focused. I don't hear that stuff going on, but once we get into the locker room, that's when I hear the chirps. And it's usually my own teammates just being ruthless towards each other. <laughs> They're usually pretty funny at the same time. Yeah, I know. I've I know I've heard some really good ones over the years, but I, I for the life of me, I couldn't recall them. Yeah, well, and, and some of them are uh, unrepeatable. We know that too. <laughs> for, for sure, you have to paraphrase some of them. Yeah. So, what is the worst post game beer you've had? I'm I'm actually totally sober. Oh, good for you. Good for yeah. you. So, yeah, so then I um, will change that to be what's the worst post-game beverage? Oh, man, this is where I sound even more boring. I only drink water. You know what? I'm the same way. I have my bottle here that I go, go through probably a gallon plus of water a day. So yeah, uh, to yeah. me, that's not boring. It's it's better than most of the junk they have out there on the market right now. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, but um, I'm always the most boring person going out. So, <laughs> no, you're you're a very valuable person when you go out because people know yeah, that you're going to get home safe. Designated driver, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of nice. Me and my wife, we like different drinks. So, like, if we were to go to a brewery, I know she's going to drive home. But if we go to a winery, she knows I'm going to drive home. So it's just yeah. it's kind of a very nice yin to each other's yang. Um, you know, and if we go somewhere that has both or we just kind of look at each other and like, well, who's had the harder week? 
Um, <laughs> and we make the decision that way. That's uh, a, yeah, that's a very good, that's a very good uh, coincidence to have. Yeah, but I, I'm one of those people, you know, I'm 41 years old. Like, I don't need to go out and, you know, feel terrible the next day. I enjoy a good beer for its taste, the way some people enjoy a good coffee. So I only need one. Or if I'm gone for a really long time, I might have a second one. But that I was in Charlotte three weeks ago for work, I think it was now. And it was like really the first chance a lot of my coworkers got to like get out of the house since COVID. So they really had some rough nights. And <laughs> like I, I was staying out as late as all of them, but I was feeling just fine the next day because I just I got my one beer and I held on to that one beer all night. I didn't let them know it was empty. And they're like, are, aren't you like just hung over today? And no, nope, I'm fine. <laughs> some of those, some of those beer leaguers go hard in the paint though. Oh God, do they ever. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen some crazy things. Yeah. And uh, I, I was uh, playing in a tournament. It was for charity and we had a break between our, our last game and the championship game it was like a four or five hour break. And my teammates were going out and partying. They're like, we made it to the championship. We're going to have a good time. They're like, you want to come with us? I was like, no, I want to stop pucks when the game starts. I want to see only one puck. And they're like, oh, yeah. And they just came back. And it was like one of the guys, he walked in the locker room, looked around. He's like, sorry, fellas, I, I, I effed up. And we're like, what do you mean? He goes, I shouldn't be skating. I'm in bad shape. And it's like, you had four hours to get in this shape. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. I. I rather just get one good thing and enjoy it rather than uh, go crazy and not remember the rest of the night. But I'm an old, old grumpy guy. What, what can I say? Um, so next question. We're almost done here. When you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? It's heel to toe. The only correct way to do it. <laughs> yes, you are definitely in the overwhelming majority. There are a few that go toe to heel. Um, but uh, I'm you and I are not those people. Yeah. Uh, well, so the, um, the 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 reason I've always done that is so that when you shoot it or wrist it with the stick, the puck is spinning or turning the opposite way to the the friction of the tape. Okay. Right. So that the lines stick out. Whereas if if you do it toe to heel, the lines go like downwards so there's less resistance so it's harder to elevate see it's funny because when i talked to connor Beaupre, he went toe to heel because there's less resistance and he likes to play the puck so you know it it really does come down to personal preference you know some people find it easier to lift the puck without that resistance i just can't lift it regardless so it's not an issue for me Um, i don't sympathize with that (laughs) yeah um, although I, I have been working on playing the puck this summer when I've gotten into skates, but yeah, it's, that's just never been one of the, uh, things I've been good at. But again, when I was coming up in hockey, you know, goalies weren't expected to be great at playing the puck. You know, yeah, we had Ron Hextall scoring goals, uh, and kind of changing the game in that point, Marty Brodeur coming on at that point, but you know, there were goalies still using straight blades. Uh, so yeah, well, I mean, the idea. Of, I, I yeah. didn't have a coach 
ask me if I could do it until I was playing 18 years. Yeah. You know, if anything, they just wanted me to stop the ring around the boards and leave it there. That That's all that was ever asked of me. It wasn't, you know, to move it up ice. It wasn't until I got to college where that was um, not required, but kind of asked of me. And I would work on that with my defense. And, you know, they, they got- knew what I was capable of, so they, they wouldn't go that route. I've got you know. this kid that but, I coach uh, right now. Who's a? I think he's he's a first year 16U this year, but his first year of AAA hockey, he got something like 20 assists. I was like, that's unbelievable. That's that's about yeah. five times more than I got in my entire career. Yep. Yeah. Like I think in my entire beer league career, I've got maybe five. Um, yeah. You know. So that it, the fact that I count them you know, it tells how often it happens. The, the very first assist I got as a goalie, I was in uh, peewee hockey. We were on the penalty or on the power play. My teammate thought we were on the penalty kill. So I stopped a shot and put it behind the net. And he took it from behind our goal line, sent it down the ice. The other goalie played it wrong and it bounced be- over his stick between his legs into the net. So my one assist in youth hockey came off of an end-to-end shot by my teammate because he thought we are in the penalty kill and we had the power play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've well, we've all been that other goalie too who's just oh god, yeah, like an absolute yeah. howler. Yeah, yeah. I, lucky for me, one one of those goals I let in was an offsides, and, and the ref just kind of skated up to me. He was smirking, knowing that I was trying to play, and he goes. You just knew it was offsides, didn't you? And I, I kind of chuckled and I go, yeah, that, that's the story we're telling ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. Skated away laughing. Um, so other than the number 68, what's your favorite number to wear and why? Um, number 31 is my first choice. And why? Well, I, it's not really like it's a specific player or anything. It's, I, I guess I just kind of like the way the numbers look on the back of the jersey. Yep. Um, th- th- some numbers just look better than others. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. So no, I, I I like I like the asymmetry of the of the thirty one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wore number one all throughout like my youth career, um, yeah. and then had to change. Um, when I got to a team that basically the number wasn't available and I switched to 31 and ended up liking it much more. So. And there's something to be said, especially for, you know, the older jerseys where they sewed the numbers on the feel of that number on your back played a role in it. And that's why I never liked number one. It felt like I didn't have a number on my back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess the number would literally be right on that. Yep. The, the like the Y pad that's on the back of all those chest protectors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like I just I felt like I didn't have anything there. Um but yeah, thir- 31's a good number. Uh whenever I hear 31, I think of uh, the old Blackhawks goalie Jeff Hackett. Um Yeah. Uh so the last question, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Um, I guess, I guess my advice would be is if you love it, just keep doing it. You know, I've had, I've had years where, you know, things have just not gone my way. 
Um, and, you know, th th there was a year that I played and we won, I think it was two games all year, both against the same team that somehow managed to finish ahead of us. We finished like dead last, probably averaged like 50 shots a game, six, seven goals against probably my my sophomore year of high school. Yeah, sounds then, like my high school. Yeah, and then literally two years later, that team turns around and wins wins the state championship. You know, so, it sounds like our high school careers were very similar because freshman, sophomore year combined, in league play, we went 138-1. and one. Um, Oof. Yeah, now, that's, that's tough. We we did win, you know, quite a few non-conference games, but the league play, we, we didn't do very well. And then, like you said, the year after I graduate, um, the varsity team won the league championship. It was just kind of – and there was one game, I think it was freshman or – well, I know it was freshman or sophomore year because the coach that did it, but I think it may have been sophomore year. We were only losing like four to nothing, and he pulls me halfway through the game. And I'm looking, I'm going, you know, we're usually getting beat, you know, 10, 11, 12 to 2, 12 to 3. And I'm like, coach, like, this is a close game. Why are you pulling me? And he looks at me, he goes, Joe, you've already seen 60 shots. I don't want you to die. You know, and that was at the halfway point in the game that I had seen 60 yeah. shots. I was like, oh, well, thanks, but I'm doing pretty good. You sure you don't want to leave me in there? Um but yeah, it was, you know, the 50, 60 shots a game was typical. And uh, if, if I went back and was able to find the records, because they're not online, but uh, if, if I could find those JV records, sophomore year, I believe I led the league in uh, save percentage, had the best save percentage, but had the worst goals against average. Uh, that, that tells you what my team, you know, what the caliber of the team. It is what it is. And, you know, to your point, I loved what I did. So I just. All right, Tom, I think we may have lost you. You've gone silent nope, on nope, me nope, again. Nope, I'm back. I'm back. Oh. Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah, I hear, I hear you. <laughs> Lost me for uh, a second, but no, I'm here. No, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, don't let just one bad experience ruin it because you never know. You know, next year you may get a great team. Yeah. You know, and it could be, it could be, you know, world changing for you. It, we've all had bad years. You know, I. Yeah. I, I usually go through, you know, some of the goalies that I've played against and looked looked at um, their, you know, their hockey DB pages or whatever it's called now. And, you know, some of these guys are world junior champions and this and that, huge accolades. And then you'll see, like, one year halfway through their career, they put up, like, an 830. And yeah. it's like, this was, like... a top goalie in the country for his age and like yeah. he's putting up an 830 so like don't don't get disheartened like just just stick it with it and if you if you love it do it right you know and 
I, I knew early on that, you know, I wasn't going to make it to the NHL. I was going to do everything I could to play as long as I could competitively. And, you know, I, I probably played longer than I should have. And so I just, I appreciated every minute of that college experience. Cause it's like, I knew there were better goalies than me at tryouts, but I'm the one that got to put the Jersey on at the end of it. Sure. You know, yeah. that, that's when I, I've had my goal college. We had 26 goalies trying out for six spots. And I looked at him, I said, I know I was not the sixth best goalie. I probably wasn't even the eighth best goalie. What the heck were you guys thinking keeping me? And he kind of laughed. He's like, well, you know, it's, it's more than just the skill on the ice. It's what you bring to the team. And he goes, I said, I knew it. I was the locker room guy. And he goes, you were, though. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes, you know, if, if we accept that role as backup goalie, or in my case, third string JV goalie, you can have just as much fun as the starting varsity goalie if you understand what your role is and do it to the best you can. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with with being a backup goalie yeah. at some point in your career like every, everybody at some point is going to to run into a goalie that is just stronger than them at some point but all you can do is you know work your hardest and be the best darn teammate you can and then next year maybe you're that guy maybe yeah. you're the guy that's the starter and there's there's some younger less talented guy and and really your role doesn't change no you, well, you play the games but you've still got to be that locker room guy you've still got to be that good teammate in the value of a good backup goalie who understands that role understands that in essence they're that locker room guy that they got to be that goofball to keep you know the team light but also you know on game day deflect that energy from the starting goalie so that they can focus it's uh it's tricky for a lot of goalies to to accept and really excel at that role of backup and there's nothing wrong with being that backup no no not at all no not at all well tom it's been awesome talking to you i feel like we could keep going um where can folks follow you on social media if they want to so my Instagram, I, I don't do Twitter. Uh, I decided it was bad for my mental health <laughs> Year, years ago. Not not yeah. Not just since the uh, the whole NHL thing, but so I don't do that. But my um, my Instagram is t hodges thirty one. Nice, and and I'll put that in the show notes so that folks can find you. Um, again, thank you. It's been awesome talking to you, and I'm sure we're going to keep in touch. I, I hope so. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Tom was an awesome guy to talk to. Such an interesting background coming from the UK and settling in Texas. Trust me, those are two very different places. It also highlights the importance of capitalizing on every connection you make and the opportunities you get through those. Be sure to follow Tom on Instagram at thodges31. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when the season re resumes, and of course all podcast episodes. 
If you want some wash up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full line of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Tells with Terry Ryan podcast, the Hockey Minds podcast, and the Ice Guys podcast can all be found. If you're looking for some something good to read, get yourself a subscription to the Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly, the magazine takes a deep dive into the best goalies from the 80s and 90s era. In the first five issues alone, they've covered Felix Potvin, Grant Fuhr, Tim Shovelday, Jocelyn Tebow, Ken Reggett, John Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask painter and creator Don Strauss. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on all my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or DM me on social media. And let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time... Keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Right over